up, everybody, and welcome to episode 95 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on this fine Sunday evening, and joining me the second week in a row, Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? Glad to be on, as always. Glad we were finally able to get some baseball moves, even if it wasn't so much Braves moves, but obviously a couple of big dominoes that we, this week fell with Otani and, and Giancarlo finally uh, finding new places to play. Yeah, a little bit of uh, content to hit on. Uh, of course, that's leading into the fact that the winter meetings started today, basically. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of comes down the pike, and that sort of uh, you know looms over everything right now in the entire baseball world is that stuff usually happens during the winter meetings. Obviously, those two moves took place before they started, but uh, normally the uh, sort of the dam breaks this week and things really start to ha- start happening, and uh, the Braves could be pretty active. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll of course, talk about that. Um, a couple of sort of newsy things to hit on before we start talking about winter meetings a little bit more. And uh, just some housekeeping, basically. Um, first first of all, um, there was a report very, very early, uh, actually last week, that Bust for Buster only said the Braves were looking for shortstop help, which people were really kind of uh, interested in, obviously, for obvious reasons, since you had Dansby Swanson on the roster. But uh, David O'Brien reported that the desire for shortstop help was because they are looking at potentially playing Johan Camargo at third base every day, which... Is another thing we could talk about, um, and they also signed. They signed. They went and signed Christian Cologne, presumably to present an option in that way. I guess it's more about trying to find someone that can play shortstop sometimes uh, if something happens to Dansby, and if you're planning on playing Camargo at third base. So, what do you make of all of that talk? Just because uh, there kind of also coincides with the uh, reporting this week from Mark Bowman that the Braves are looking at using eight-man bullpen again, which means a short bench. It was definitely interesting. I think anytime. You know, you have a guy like Dansby Swanson at short. If we would have had this conversation a year ago, people would have thought we were nuts. So uh, it was a little bit of a surprise. But as Dob kind of mentioned, it's probably more of the utility backup role. Obviously, Johan Camargo is somebody who can play that utility role. But if the Braves are unable to find a third baseman for either just 2018 or beyond, uh, I would imagine that Camargo and Ruiz would, would likely see the bulk of playing time at third, and obviously then you, you need a backup shortstop, a backup utility infielder up the middle especially. Um, so it just it didn't come as a real surprise, at least to me, that they would be looking at, at other shortstops. But when I you know hearing that and seeing a few other things, it seems to me more of just a precautionary of, well, if we can't add a third baseman and Camargo has to play every day, they aren't going into the spring without, you know, somebody on the on the bench who can play shortstop regularly. Yeah, I mean, it's more it's not that I'm assuming that Camargo will be the um third baseman full every day, but just all the talk about it kind of made me realize that that's actually an option it appears. Like, you know, some of the people that are plugged in the most, the Braves are talking about that like it's an actual thing. And I, you know, this whole time I I kind of assumed that was ne- that was not going to happen unless it would be sort of a fallback option, but I think it's more realistic possibly than maybe we've let on previously based on that reporting. I don't want to overemphasize it too much, but you know, for me, I just don't see that as a viable option. I think Camargo is a guy who you want to play all his different spots, and even if you had him as your best right-handed third baseman, you would still platoon him if you're trying to win games, in my opinion, and that means Zaria Ruiz or whatever you want to do there. Um, but yeah, I just hadn't I know we talked about. It. I just, I guess, I haven't fully considered the uh, the the realization that Camargo could be your full time everyday everyday third baseman under some scenario. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're in agreement that Camargo probably isn't set to play every single day next year. But at the same time, I I think he could certainly be valuable off the bench as a super utility player. So 
Again, I don't think Anthopoulos is going to go into these winter meetings with shortstop written in big, you know, big bold letters on the top of his notebook, looking to find one. But it, it never hurts to look, and you never know when the right deal is going to come along. Uh, we, we've talked about before. Dansby has really only had about 180 or so professional games under his belt before uh, coming up to the big leagues last year. He had a really shortened stint uh, with the Diamondbacks after getting drafted, and then didn't even spend a full year in the minors with the Braves before they called him up. Uh, so he's, he's just so early on in his career. He's still pretty young. I don't really take that report is that they're giving up on Dansby Swanson and they want to find a new shortstop of the future, but it never hurts to look. You never know what's going to come along. Uh, maybe, an, you know, a great deal that no one's really expecting comes along and, and then Anthopoulos does that and they figure out what to do with Dansby in the meantime. But I really think it's more of just to cover your bases in case, you know, he was to, to get hurt in the spring you're not in a situation where you're you have a gigantic hole at shortstop with nobody really out there on the market. Yeah, that's a good point, and uh, yeah, I know it's probably worth stating. Um, I, I of course understand that, but uh, I think people were jumping to the uh, assumption that Dansby was not going to be a starting shortstop. I don't see that happening. Uh, he's going to be a shortstop on opening day, um, barring injury. And if it's you know if he struggles for three or four months, maybe something changes. But until then. I think they're going to have a pretty long leash with him, to be honest with you, uh, just because that's kind of the only option at the moment. I guess, you know, Albies could move there long term if something, you know, if Dansby just flamed out. Um, But that's sort of a down the line decision. Uh, We should at least talk about Cologne a little bit. It's a minor league contract, so, uh, you know, not too much to get into here, but a spring training invite. And he's he's 28, so this is not a prospect. But Cologne's been in the big leagues a couple times before. He has almost 400 plate appearances. Uh, Not been great at the plate, to say the least. A. a career 73 WRC plus in the majors, a 315 slugging percentage, so not ideal. But defensively, yeah. he's supposed to be pretty good, and uh, I, I will uh, cough the fact that I don't really know uh, in depth beyond the numbers. But aside from that, that's kind of all I got with Cologne. He's just a, he's just a body to have around. There's no nothing wrong there. But if he didn't make the team, that would not be a huge surprise. Yeah, I think he's kind of similar to the Paul Yanish of a couple years ago. You know, somebody oh, who shouts to Paul Yanish. You don't want uh, you don't want playing every day, but. Again, he can kind of handle any position, you know, middle of the infield. I think he could probably survive a couple innings out in the outfield if you really needed him to. He, I think he was one of the heroes when the Royals made their, their World Series run a couple years back. He was that, you know, guy who every night seemed to just the ball would find him or he would come up in the big situation and, and somehow bloop a ball somewhere that would get down. So, again, a pretty minor thing, all things considered. I would imagine he'll be in the mix in spring training. But if he doesn't make the team, he's, he seems likely to be someone who could spend some time in Gwinnett. Uh, or maybe they just release him outright if he wants to go chase a big league job elsewhere. So, as you said, not a huge signing by any means, but uh, more of a depth one. For sure. And uh, as for the eight-man bullpen news, um, Bowman, who you and I, I know both trust immensely, um, that's interesting to me in that if you go with an eight-man bullpen, that would pretty much take away your flexibility to be able to platoon at third base. Um, you know, that's something that we've at least talked about uh, off and on, and that would sort of lend credence to the Camargo third base idea because if you're only carrying four four bench players, uh, having a straight third base platoon isn't really ideal. I mean, it's it's possible to do that because Camargo can play other places and all that fun stuff, but um, it sort of limits your flexibility to some degree. I don't love that at all just as a general concept. I'm not a huge eight-man bullpen guy, but it seems to be something that's uh, pretty well reported now that it's going to be – that's almost the plan at this point. It's interesting. I think if you're the Braves, you have the very real – uh, outlook into the season, knowing that Sean Newcomb is going to be in your rotation. Uh, you would imagine someone like Luis Gohara is going to be there, Mike Fultonevich. 
at this point, unless they bring somebody in, it looks like Max Fried would be the fifth starter. And you know that those guys aren't going to go seven plus innings every night, right? And I think, especially as we saw with Newcomb, if you can get five innings out of them, sometimes it's, you know, it's a big win. So I think it's just knowing they're going to have a young rotation. Even if they bring in a guy, they're going to be really young. I'm with you. I prefer to have a little more versatility on the bench and just ride your, you know, kind of grind your, your seven relievers down and, and make moves as you need to. But uh, I would imagine just knowing that they're going to have some young kids who are going to take their lumps and have some short outings. Uh, that's why they would want the eighth, the eighth guy in the bullpen instead of the fifth guy on the bench. Uh, but it seems like over the course of a season, those are things that just kind of come and go with DL stents. One week you have eight guys, the next week you have seven, the next week you have eight. So interesting nonetheless. And, and obviously the, the moves they make over the next couple of months will certainly dictate just what the final roster looks like in the spring. Yeah, that's an important point. I just, uh, yeah, I, I recoil a little bit at the side of the eight-man bullpen. That's not new for me. It's kind of just my standard operating. I'm not a big fan of it, but, uh, you know, I get it. And it's it, it's easier, I will say, if Johan Camargo is a pure bench player, then it's easier to play four, to have four guys off the bench because he can play so many places. It's kind of like yeah. what you had with Jace Peterson in the past. You need that guy on your bench. Well, whether it's, not, it's pretty – right, not to cut you off, but, you know, it's pretty much a three-man bench at that point, right? Because yeah. you can't really use Kurt Suzuki or Tyler Flowers to do anything other than – catch or be you know your fifth 15th inning pinch hitter right so. that's the thing like I, I that's another reason why especially in the you know in the, in the national league i just and the way that you know i guess if, as long as snitz the manager he's sort of been in that same vein as bobby and freddie before him and um not using that backup catcher for really anything so yeah like you're like you're saying it's really a three-man bench and you better have some really flexible guys i think lane adams at Kurt Suzuki are of the givens off the bench, and you know Camargo's going to be on the roster somewhere, whether whether he'll be the third baseman or the or a utility backup. But if you don't have, if he's your third baseman, you have to have a utility backup somewhere, or it makes it even harder to play with the short bench. So I know I don't want to get too deep into it, as you kind of mentioned, because you know a lot of moves will probably happen between now and the time that this actually matters in March and April. But uh, you know, some reporting out there to at least head on. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, let's talk about this now because. Uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, changes in terms of the front office and the training staff this week. Uh, the training staff thing, um, for those of you who might have missed this, Jeff Porter, who has been the trainer as long as I can remember and longer than that, um, is now a senior advisor and basically stepping back from day-to-day stuff. So they have a new uh, director of player health and head athletic trainer. Um, not going to analyze that a whole lot other than Porter's taking some heat from people in the recent past. I'm always a little bit skeptical of uh, blasting um, – trainers because I'm not someone who knows things about medical things but uh, Hmm. the general consensus at least recently has not been super favorable is that accurate you would say I think so you know as you said this is truly kind of a move that impacts more behind the scenes because we obviously aren't sitting in the training room and whenever people are getting worked on but uh, it was an eye-opener it kind of as you said as long as I can remember Jeff Porter has been the club's main trainer so it's definitely a change and and uh We'll see. I mean, I hope that the young pitchers can stay healthy. It, you know, it's hard to really attribute one thing or another to injuries, but it was an interesting move nonetheless because it kind of seemed like Porter was going to be there forever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's going to be very strange whenever somebody gets hurt for the first time and it's not Jeff Porter trotting out of the field. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm uh, my age. My age begins with a three, and I don't have any recollection before Jeff Porter. So, yeah, sort of a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just sort of something to file away because. You know, no, no, no analysis to be given from either of us on that. I'm sure someone could give some, some actual analysis on the British training staff, but I'm not going to do that here. Um, the bigger news, though, um, is the front office changes as uh, the Braves announced two hires on uh, on Sunday. Actually, 
one of which was leaked a little bit earlier by Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, the other one kind of came out of nowhere. What do you make of these? Uh, you know, I think it's, it's Alex Tamin, or I don't know, I, don't, I actually don't know the pronunciation there, as the director of, base, of Major League Operations. The, uh, he was formerly the director of baseball operations for the Dodgers. And uh, Jason Pear or Pere or something of that line as the assistant GM for research and development. He'd been with Miami and other places uh, before that and also spent some time in Toronto under Anthopolis. So uh, obviously, you know, guys beyond the actual decision maker and the GM never get that much attention as we, talk, as we sort of talked about a little bit last week with the uh, weirdness there. But a couple of new hires and Anthopolis is sort of loading up here in the front office. Yeah, you know, it's it's rare for guys to be hired and for it to be, oh man, that's a horrible hire, at least for guys like, you know, in baseball operations. But both of them are very highly regarded throughout the industry. Um, Tamin, Tamin, whatever we're going with, you know, spent five years with, uh, you know, five years with the with the Dodgers and the Dodgers have as, as strong and as forward thinking of a of a front office as there is in baseball. And then, um Pare, Pare, however, <laughs> they, uh, with we don't the Marlins, know. I'm sorry, you know, guys. We just don't know. I know. I got to get up on my pronunciation guide for the Marlins front office. Um, but yeah, you know, he was, he kind of oversaw the big league, uh, you know, kind of, I think he was focused on kind of the defense of the Marlins. And, um, somebody mentioned that he was kind of the driving force behind moving Christian Yelich to center field, which has worked out really well. It's made him even more valuable. Um, so all in all, good signings, guys, that Anthopoulos is certainly familiar with. And after last week's weird, you know, hire and then resign after two days, uh, it's good to finally have all the guys in place in the front office. And especially now that we're kind of getting into the heat of the winter, uh, so to speak, with, with signings and, and trades and everything like that. So uh, only good things, at least from what I've heard. And, and hopefully they're able to, you know, just keep kind of changing from the old guard to the new guard in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, again, like... Beyond them getting hired or if something crazy were to happen, you're not going to hear a whole lot about these guys. That's just kind of the way this works. Everything um, you know, falls under, under Anthopolis and even the guys above him. Anybody below him, you're just going to hear things and you don't really know like who's, who's, who's responsible for what specifically and guys won't be necessarily credited externally. But uh, you know, I just like to have guys that have, you know, it seems like Anthopolis has been placing a uh, premium on, on some guys who uh, like this uh, research and development and, and analytics and just seems to be a pretty uh, strong and smart front office coming together. Of course, you know the results are kind of kind of speak for themselves. But until then, I uh, I'm overall I'm overall pleased with the direction. You know, there's almost only so much analysis we can actually do on these guys without without knowing their actual uh, you know mindsets individually. But I, I like it. It's all it's all seems very nice to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's basically <laughs> all we can do on that. Um, I was going to talk about the, uh, by the way, this is just sort of a funny thing. Um, Fangraphs ranked front offices this week, uh, and the Braves finished 25th out of 30th. I'm not even sure how to attack that. I have it written down to talk about, but it's one of those things where we don't know what the Braves front offices actually is. I know Anthopolis's track record suggests that he'll be better than that, but he also just got there, and I'm not sure how they were really ranking. So I think yeah. it's kind of funny and hilarious to even try to rank a front office that actually hasn't done a single thing yet. I guess it's not true. They, they, signed, they signed Christian Colon. So they're one. Yeah. They're, they've made one move at least uh, at the major league level or close to it. Yeah, that kind of seem. I mean, that's the definition of you know TBD, right? I don't. It's. I know. It, I guess it's good that they weren't dead last. It seemed like they but, drew a line between like the front offices that they actually don't think are good, and then just put the Braves right there. It's like here are the bad front offices. Here are the Braves, and here's everybody which we, else, which we know nothing about. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I, I was like, oh, okay, 25th out of 30. That's not ideal. But again, when 
the guys haven't even been on the job for a month even. I don't think it's even been a month. Um, but hey, those are always just kind of for fun and you know fun things to look at during the winter months. But hopefully this time next year it's it's higher than 25th. And I think it will be. I feel actually pretty confident in that. Even if you don't love Anthopolis, I think if you look at his track record from previous stops, uh, he would certainly not be a bottom five or six GM during the time that he was at certain places. So uh, I'm pretty uh, pretty confident that will be coming up in the future. Last thing before we get to the winter meetings and sort of overall uh, hot stove talk, uh, the Gwinnett Braves announced their name change this yeah. week. And I know you're not – you don't live here. You have you're not, You did not grow up around here. I am a Gwinnett resident, and I've lived in Gwinnett County off and on since 1991. So uh, this is a weird one for me because it's a really bad name. Um, that's my opinion. I thought they were, I thought they were the strippers. I, I uh, everybody's made that joke. <laughs> uh, it's it's an obvious one. Uh, they are the stripers. So if people if people miss this, it's a uh, it's a reference to a fish. Um, it also has sort of that cross reference to baseballs being striped when they're hit well. I guess. Uh, this is a name that I do not think is good. Uh, no. just as a little bit of background information here, the Braves, uh, Gwinnett Braves, I should say, apparently wanted to distance themselves from the Braves name because they thought, at least some of their internal stuff, thought that, uh, for instance, people didn't understand which Braves game they were going to when they were talking about Gwinnett or Atlanta. Because if you're not familiar with the region, uh, Gwinnett is not far from Atlanta. Like the stadium, the uh, for instance, Turner Field and um, Cool Ray Field, where the Gwinnett Braves play, were probably... I don't know, maybe 25 miles apart, um, maybe 30 miles, something like that. Same sort of distance away from uh, Cumberland, and the Cumberland area and where Central Park is now. It's 30 miles or so. It's not down the street by any means, especially in Atlanta traffic, but it's also you know within the same um, general vicinity. I don't really buy that as an excuse, but you know that, that, that was the rationale behind changing the name at all. They had a contest with all these names. There were a couple that were okay-ish. Um, this is a bad name. That's kind of where I wanted to get to. I don't want to be too disrespectful about it, um, but I have a hard time believing this is the best thing that they can come up with. That's probably where I am with this. Uh, I'm with you. I am not a Gwinnett area resident at all. Uh, I'm, I'm many miles away, but like I said, I legitimately, as I was sitting at work on whatever day that was that morning, I thought their name was the Strippers <laughs> until I took a closer look and saw it was the Stripers. Um, Hopefully it works out for them and gets more people to the games and they sell tickets and merchandise and stuff. But I, if I was running a AAA baseball team, I don't think I would name them the Stripers. No. I mean, it became one of those internet fun, let's get off all of our jokes things when it came out. And I, it was hard for me to blame anybody. I think in the grand scheme, that will go away as a thing because it's AAA baseball and people would just call them Gwinnett. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what they all that's what they've always been. You know, part of that is that the Braves are are they the only team? One of the few teams, if not the only team, uh, I should probably research this. Um, that have that at least at one point had basically all of their um, teams being called the Braves in the minors, and that's they're yeah. getting away from that a little bit here. And that's that's not I have no problem with them not being the Braves. That's not my issue. It's that they had to come up with a better name than this, um, and they didn't. So that's you know it's kind of just a funny thing, and I don't want to. Again, cross the line of being disrespectful about it, but I just think it's bad. Like, you know, stripers, it does not. Well, didn't they have a big online campaign for people to vote and everything like that? They did. Um, Yeah, it was a whole thing. And um, the end result was the stripers. Yeah. You you can hear it in my voice. I'm fighting it badly. Go stripers. Yes, go stripers, indeed. Um, There is, uh, yeah. Let's go to to winter meetings here. Um, It's time. well, the first thing, we talked about Otani and Giancarlo being uh, off the market now. 
Um, Mike Miner, old friend of the program, got three years, $28 million from the Rangers. Um, there was a couple of other pitching deals. In, you know, I believe it was Tyler Chatwood got some real money. Yeah. Um, yeah, but aside from that, you know, the Braves stayed out of things so far. Actually, we kind of, I don't I think it was on the podcast, we talked about Mike Miner getting a little bit of money at some point. He got more than I thought he was going to get, and shots to him. Yeah, good always, for him. I've always liked Mike Miner quite a bit. You know, there's some worry of whether he can start, but, you know, three for 28, I guess you could conceivably have him be in that bullpen role, and as long as he's awesome, it's worth it. Yeah, um, and I mean, he's one of the few exceptions. I mean, he's really one of the first, you know, for as, as many medical advances as, as they've made with elbow surgeries. He had shoulder surgery, and not a lot of pitchers have come back and come back strong from shoulder surgery. So good for him for kind of redeveloping himself and coming over because he was really out of baseball for, you know, two, two and a half years before he got back to being himself. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I've always rooted for Miner. I always thought he was underrated when he was on the Braves uh, the first yeah. time around. Of course, the injury stuff popped up and uh, less than less than ideal there. But for him to get some money here is really cool. Actually, it's a great story, and he was very good last year under the radar and the uh, that sort of hybrid role. Um, as for the Braves, though, a couple of things, like sort of angles to hit on. Um, first, let's talk about there was a Peter Gaiman's report um, centering on on Julia Tehran. We wrote it up on TalkingChops.com uh, earlier over the weekend. Uh, I think it's important to note that Gammons was not reporting that he's going to 100% be traded. People took it that way, and the wording is kind of confusing if you just read the snippet. Um, but I think it's it, sort of the overarching takeaway for me is that Gammons at least believes and re- is reporting that Tehran will be, if not outright shopped, he's going to be available at the winter meetings. That's not, that doesn't mean he's going to be traded, but um, we've, t- we've done this a lot of times before, Scott, but where are you at with right now potentially marketing him because he's obviously coming off the bad year last year, but could still yeah. have some real value because the contract is so good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, as a, as let me start over as it's been with Julio for the last two or three years, it's going to come down to the offer, right? If, if a team really wants him bad enough and they give a, they give the Braves a, a big time offer with both major league ready guys and, um, young kids who they can then build around. Sure. Do it. Um, but at the same time, I, I you feel like you're still kind of selling low on him right now, even if you can convince a team that, hey, he was just kind of spooked by his by SunTrust Park and it was mental and he was giving up, you know, all the homers at home and he was more of himself on the road. I still feel like you're going to be selling low on him no matter what. Now, maybe there is a front office out there who really wants a starting pitcher and a durable starting pitcher and has, you know, a frontline ace in that rotation already. So they're not going to count on Tehran to have a, you know, a sub three ERA. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not real confident that there's going to be offers out there that's going to blow the Braves away and really entice them to get rid of Tehran. Uh, I think it's it's honestly probably 50-50 is if he's with the team on opening day or not. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I, I don't really feel strongly one way or the other. I think a year ago, obviously, was the time to trade him coming off what was arguably a career year and now uh, you might be, you know, kind of shooting yourself in the foot by getting rid of a guy whose value is as low as it's been in years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would wait um, just in a vacuum. Um, of course, the Braves know more about him than we do. Uh, his medicals and what they have clearly have a better idea what they think he can do than what we will have uh, access to. Um, in a vacuum, though, with what we know now, I would wait unless somebody's willing to pay what basically they think is paying for what they would have gotten a year ago, which is not probably going to happen, in my opinion. Like, I would not sell low. Um, you know he's young enough. He's done. He's done enough of the bounce, uh, the bounce up and down kind of thing in recent years. Where I think I'm expecting him to be better in 2018 than he was in 2017. You know how much better is up for debate. 
Um, at the same time, you have to be able to get something for him, to be honest with you. Because, you know, if nothing else, like, here's a question for you, I would say. Um, Julio versus the, like, you know, 2018, if you had to bet your life on one Braves pitcher having the, the best season, whether that be why wins above replacement, et cetera, et cetera, who would you have your money on? Currently on the roster. Luis Gohara. Over, over Tehran. I think so. I'm okay. very high on. No, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a little surprised. I'm not shocked. I mean, I think his upside is clearly higher. Yeah. Um, I would. I would go with Tehran. I'm not upset with you at all. I think Tehran, Fultonavich, and Gohara are all reasonable answers. Um, I don't think anybody else is a reasonable answer, honestly. I mean, Newcomb, I guess, could just put it together and suddenly. I mean, do it'd that. be a great. Yeah, it'd be a great development. Sure, I just don't case. think you can yeah. predict that at all. Um, I yeah. would go with Tehran. Part of that's just me being a safety guy, and I think um, you know. As, as rough as he was last year, he's still going to throw you 200 innings probably. And he's yeah. never like fallen apart completely. There were some times last year where like he was going to fall apart. He never did it. He, there were some positive signs down the stretch, et cetera. Yeah. I think for me, he certainly has the highest median outcome in my opinion. Um, you know, Gohara. Oh, he's, he's certainly the smartest. He's the pick. safest. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and all that to say, like, I don't think that necessarily override, it should be the overriding factor in terms of whether you trade him or not. But if, if you're a first year GM and, I know the Braves are going to at least fake it like they think they're going to win next year. It's a really tough sell, especially if you don't then go out and get somebody to replace him, quote unquote. Like if you trade Tehran and don't bring in a number one ish, number two ish starter somewhere else, that's a tough sell to your fan base. I'll say that. Yeah. I, I can go either way. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Uh, you know, they could realistically just kind of keep all the kids in the rotation, right? I mean, they, they certainly have- could. Between those four, you know, the young kid, Tehran and, and Fulte and Newcomb and Gohara and Freed, I guess Lucas Sims could throw you some innings if they really want to be aggressive with Mike Soroka or, or, or Colby Allard. Um, you know, you could always sign a veteran, you know, swing man, six starter, if you will, to kind of eat innings if need be. They could do that, but if you do that, you're, you're pretty much booting 2018 as a year where you're going to be competitive, and I'm just, I'm just not sure they're going to do that. Yeah, that's my thing. I mean, because I think for me, if you're training Tehran, I just don't see a scenario where it's not for prospects. Like yeah. maybe I guess or maybe, a young major leaguer. Yeah, if you find, I guess if you find a third baseman that you love that you can get for Tehran or and something like that as the centerpieces of, of that package, you might do that. But that's the only spot on the roster in which it makes a lot of sense to have that be a centerpiece in return for Tehran would be a third baseman. Yeah, and there's and not many then, third like, baseman out there for yeah. a trade either. I mean, maybe if you want to make the big trade and um, a team like for for the actual like high impact third baseman, uh, you know, would need more than Tehran, obviously, but maybe he could serve as one of the good pieces because because of his contract, he is super valuable to a team that might have a lower payroll, might want to be have some cost certainty. Tehran would be attractive to that to that kind of team because he doesn't he doesn't make any money and it's it's several more years under contract. But yeah, it's it's a spot where I don't. I'm not saying it's impossible by any means. I just don't see them, if they, if they, you know, more power to them. For me, I'm, I would not be upset if they get a good return for Julio Tehran. Even if it's a good return of prospects, I will not criticize them. I just think it's a really tough sell in year two of a ballpark, year one of a front office, to where they're going to be telling you they're trying to compete. If you're going to trade your safest, I would I would argue best, at least most likely best starting pitcher, yeah. Oh, of course. It's rough. I, I just yeah. think that, that that PR move is not ideal. And PR is overrated a lot of the time, but I, I think it's I think it's kind of a tough back and forth. But also, if you're Anthopolis, 
you're a new GM and you maybe can get away with that a little bit easier than you could if you were at a previous GM that was under more fire. Because he's not under any fire right now because he's yeah. a new guy. It almost feels like if they're going to trade Julio, it's going to come after they add a starting pitcher, you know, because if you trade him with the thought of, well, we're going to go get a frontline starter, well, as we've seen over the last two years, you know, it's really hard to put together a deal for a frontline starter. And I can't imagine they're going to come up with the, you know, 100 million plus to sign a Jake Arrieta or a U Darvish. Um, you know, even guys like Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn are probably looking at 75, 80 million dollars, which is a lot of money just given their career so far in ages. So I'm with you and I agree about the whole PR, like the, who's going to start opening day. Like that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like who cares, Yes, you know? <laughs> um, but at the same time, if you trade Tehran and your rotation is Fulton, Newcomb, Gohara, uh, freed and who knows Lucas Sims, I guess, then, I mean, that's a team that rotation alone could, you know, that rotation is not going to win more than 70, 72 games next year. I don't care what the lineup looks like. So there's certainly the, the yes, he, yes, Julio isn't an ace and yes, he isn't a frontline superstar, but at the same time, if you get rid of him right now, you're pretty much booting 2018 and there is the business side of things. And you know, the, the press release doesn't really matter, but at the end of the day, you also know that the Braves want to at least be competitive in 2018, second year in a new park. And if you get rid of Julio without adding significant pitching, you're really going to hurt next year. Yeah, I, that's, that's the thing. Uh, you know, no issue about it again. For me, it's going to be in a vacuum situation where if it's a good deal, I will not protest too much. We'll just talk about every angle of it, but yeah, it'd be very, very interesting to see what happens uh, over the next, even though it, it might not be this week either. I mean, it's important to know what the winter meetings are like, yes, this is the centerpiece, but you know, the Braves, in the very recent past, pulled off deals uh, both in and out of the winter meetings. So n- nothing ends next week when it's all over. But it could happen pretty soon. So we'll keep an eye on it. That's sort of an interesting foray into all of it. Uh, the other, I mean, the other big stuff is we've talked about it a, a number of times. There's the Mark Kemp. There's the Mark Kemp. Uh, that's, that's actually kind of a fun <laughs> slip of the Mark tongue. Mark Kemp. There you go. Uh, yeah. Kemp and Markakis issue in the corner outfield. We've talked about it a million times. Um, third base, et cetera, et cetera. Also, there was a little bit of a, I'm not even sure if it qualified as a rumor, but some buzz people asking about Clint Frazier uh, because the Yankees yeah. don't have anywhere to put him right now. Um, anything there for you? I'm, I'm not going to say it's a rumor because that was. I don't think I ever got reported by a credible source that I no. would term as one, but uh, it does no. make a little bit of sense because he is, would be available and people sort of put that together. Yeah, it's not hard to put two and two together, right? I mean, the Yankees now have an abundance of outfielders. Uh, they, they're known to be looking for a, a young starting pitcher who can help round out their rotation a little bit with, uh, with Severino having such a great year last year. And of course they're going to lose, uh, you know, they, they're going to, I think CC Sabathia is a free agent. Um, you know, they, they're able to keep Tanaka around, but they're looking for a young starting pitcher. And, and obviously the Braves have enough of those to go around. I don't know if that's when they say a young pitcher, if it's a Julio Tehran or if they would have interest in a, you know, someone like a, a Gohara or a Newcomb or a Fulton Evich, but um, it's it's kind of an obvious match. Now, who knows if, if anything's going to come of it. Uh, the Braves, of course, needing young outfielders. They have enough outfielders, but needing young outfielders. Um, it would also create an interesting situation if they did get Frazier, that all of a sudden you then have five outfielders on the roster. Um, even if you're able to get rid of Nick Markakis, then you're either booting Matt Kemp or you're agreeing to keep Ronald Acuna down in the minors for at least a significant portion of the season, I guess, or at least until Matt Kemp hurts his hamstring again. So, uh, 
it was it was interesting. I'm with you. It was more of like a I think it was one of the bar stool guys out of some blah. I don't even know who he was. So it's not like you know Buster Olney's coming out and saying, Correct. "Hey, the Braves and Clint Frazier are going to be matched up," you know, by the end of the week. But um, it was interesting nonetheless. It's kind of the season for stuff like this and. Anytime you you hear of a you know a talented young player like Frazier is, I think he's a Georgia native as well, um, which certainly doesn't hurt the you know to only stokes the fire a little bit more. But an interesting uh, name nonetheless. But I'm sure over the next week or so and, and beyond, but especially over the next week, we'll hear plenty of things like this. Yeah, I mean that's just a guy. That's just one guy that's been out there. But you know, there's free agents that the Braves could be interested in, whether it's third base or, I mean, there's, there's, there's Moustakas we talked about a little bit. He's probably the most prominent third baseman that's in their range, potentially. I would not love that as a big money contract. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What, what are any, is there anybody in, in particular that you are looking at that you're, like, hoping the Braves sign realistically? That's kind of a weird thing to ask, I know, but um, it's kind of limited in that, you know, aside from trades, you're looking at basically third base and pitching. That's basically yeah. that's all. That's all you can really say. Cause I can't imagine the Braves investing a real long-term contract in anything else besides that. Like I guess maybe a core outfielder if they just had a obvious plan to rid themselves of both Kevin Marcakis. But that takes a yeah. lot of leaping. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Zach Cozart kind of makes some sense if he's willing to move off a short. Now you are kind of paying for a career year. He was a solid player, but not a great player before 2017 and just kind of blew up offensively last year. Um, I'm not as anti Mustakis as, as others are. I think, especially since he kind of came back from his injury a few years ago, he's, he's been pretty good and someone who I think publicly came out and said that he's kind of a, you know, embraced the launch angle and hit the ball in the air thing. Um, you know, with him, it's all going to come down to the money in the years, but if you look at the other third base options right now, there's not a whole lot. And Mustakas, he's 29. He's shown some power in the past. Um, you know, last year he got hurt, or I guess 2015 he got hurt, but in 2014 or 2015 he was a 3.7 WAR player. 2016 he got hurt, and then 2017 he was 2.2. Uh, there was def- defense did kind of ding him a little bit coming off of the knee surgery in terms of his value. So again, I'm, I'm not saying you give the guy five years and 90 million, but if the market isn't as hot for him as what some think. I wouldn't be totally against it. Um, we've talked before about Josh Donaldson, both the pros and cons of that. Machado, uh, yeah, and and you know Machado, he's, I mean, he's a player who can change your franchise. Now he's going to probably get three hundred million dollars a year from now in free agency, and what you're going to have to give up to get him right now for really a year with no guarantee that he's going to be around would be really steep to pay, but. He's one of the few players who I think is truly worth a $300 million payday. And I would imagine literally every team in baseball outside of maybe two or three are going to have serious interest in him in a year. Yeah, I mean, that's as much as you obviously just trade for him if you can. Um, I think that's that's the kind of thing with Machado that you only do if, you, if he'll agree to an extension, yeah. which he's not going to probably do. I mean, no, you, why would it would take it would take a like it would probably take $300 million in an extension to keep him. Which, by the way, I think I would do, which is kind of insane. Um, and the Braves, I don't think, would do that. But, yeah, you would probably have to at least offer him 250 to even have a chance in an extension. Oh, which minimum, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of funny. I mean, he'd have to really want to be, be on the Atlanta Braves kind of thing. Um, so there's, there's that. Uh, I would still do it if you can. But uh, that's, the risk is what you want because you do not want to get mortgage 
uh, you know, four or five top level prospects or even, you know, a couple of proven guys plus three or four prospects for one year, Manny Machado in a season where you're not competing. Yeah. That would, that would be rough. Um, so yeah, it's all, it's all interesting. I'm sure whatever the Braves end up doing, we will not have uh, predicted. That's probably a safe bet. It usually is in baseball. Um, we're talking about free agency. By the way, Moustakis is a good point that you said, um, I'm anti Moustakis and that I think he's going to get big money from someone, but if he does not, then it becomes interesting because I don't think he's a great player, but he's also a player that brings some things you could certainly use at, at a position that you definitely need something more at. And if the if it cools, like you said, like a couple a couple of guys last year had their markets cool significantly, and if you can get a guy for a three year deal for reasonable money versus a five year deal for huge money, that's different. You know, three for yeah. forty five or something like that. Sure, sign me up. Um, but if it's five for eighty or ninety, then no, I don't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not really, it's not even really necessarily about the annual value either, because I'd be willing to pay that guy 17 million a year. If he, if he'll take a three year deal. Yeah. Um, whereas you don't want to give him five cause then you're getting into his, you know, low to mid thirties. That's where you get into trouble. Like that was the, always the thing with Marcakis when they signed that contract, it was not the 11 million a year. It was the four years. Um, and we've seen yeah. how that went. So yeah, the years always hurt more than it's the always month. the years. Yeah. Because realistically, you know, you're going to pay. Big, but I mean, you never see guys who think, oh, they're going to get five million and they get fifteen million, right? It's oh, I think he's going to get three years, and they end up giving him five years. That's where it really hurts. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. And just avoid that altogether, and we'll be in we'll be in good shape. Yeah. I, for <laughs> reference, uh, I just pulled it up. MLB trade rumors predicted five years, eighty-five million for Mustakas. Actually, predicted him to go to the Braves for whatever it's worth. But and then uh, John Heyman referenced him uh an expert uh i don't know who it was but said an expert predicted five years and 92 million no 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 that's way too much right i mean i'm thinking like hard pass four years 75 mil or so is my i think my cap and i I wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that i would do 460 yeah Um, Yeah, sure you know and and again they always say you're always going to have to pay you usually have to give an extra year, and you always have to give a couple extra million if you really want free agents. But um, you know that's that's kind of the name of the game. It's it's obviously best to not have to go through free agency to build your team, but unless you just have some kind of incredible drafts and nail every trade and free agent signing on this lesser side, you're going to have to dip into at least one or two big big money free agents if you're going to you know kind of come out of the cellar like the Braves have. Yep, it's yep. going to be interesting, man. Um, well, the winter meetings are here. Uh, you know, something probably will hit, and and depending on how big that something is, we could do an emergency podcast this week. If not, you know, I understand. Uh, you know, our, our lives are—I can speak for myself at least. My life is not as easy as it could be to where I can drop a, everything and do a podcast midday on <laughs> Tuesday. So, um, yeah, hope if something does big, does something does happen, I promise I'll get a podcast together as fast as possible. And if nothing huge happens, if it's something like we're going to sign Christian Cologne again, uh, we'll wait till le- next Sunday to record about whatever that may be. So yeah, the winter wings are here. Uh, there, there's people that you want to be following that are on the ground. You know, Zach Dillard, Corey McCartney are doing some live shows from there from, from Fox sports, obviously uh, Bowman and DOB and those guys would be on the scene and the winter meetings. I wish I could go, but life's in the way. I don't think you're going Scott. Are you? What's your holding out no. on me? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, but I will be following along. It's always, I think it's about as good as it gets for the off season. For sure. It should be fun. And uh, I feel like just the sport in general, because I know you and I both follow non Braves baseball. Um, it's been a lot of fun following the Stanton and Otani stuff. 
uh, Stan, just it just if nothing else for the, for the soap opera like the Stanton thing and the Marlins and then at least foe um, giving away their best player is probably the best way yeah. to put it. Um, not yeah. getting really anything back. I mean, Stalin Castro is the centerpiece of a deal for Giancarlo Stanton is really kind of a weird thing to see. Um, yeah, we can, we can make this into a baseball podcast really easily, uh, big picture, <laughs> but we'll stay away from that for now. Uh, anything else you want to get out there, Scott? I know it's a, a crazy time for everybody and it will be crazier, but, uh, please plug anything you'd like, my friend. Yeah. All week we'll have updates. I mean, as they say, if it's, uh, if there's a little bit of any kind of a rumor, it'll be on the site and, um, you know, be active and always a fun week. Even if the Braves don't make moves, it's, it's always fun just around the league as teams, uh, wheel and deal. So should be fun and, and make sure you're checking in, uh, every day, every morning we'll have updates and all the guys on the site do a great job updating. Um, as regular listeners know, and for anyone new listening, it's, you know, I think, uh, it's one of the areas where the blog really shines during the off season is, is the constant, you know, really 24 seven coverage of the team. So make sure you're checking in as always, and it should be a fun week. For sure. Uh, stay tuned. Talkingshop.com. For sure. We will always have posts and things and all the latest buzz uh, in Braves land. You will want to check us out for sure. Even if it's not me and Scott writing it, someone smart will write it. Chris and Eric and Garrett, Grav and Ivan, all those guys. Demetrius. We'll, somebody will be, we'll be talking about whatever happens. I promise. So, yeah. Stay tuned, everybody, for uh, the next time. Hopefully that will be, I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't want to say hopefully. It could be before, before Sunday. If not, we'll be back again next week for sure. And until then, stay tuned and subscribe to the pod, do all that fun stuff. We'll see you guys next time. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.